Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. Right off the top, Josh, what do we have to do? Download. No, over one. Subscribe. Right. Rate. And your review on Apple Podcasts, the ESPN app, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Well done. Welcome to First Draft for this week. Mel Kuyper Jr. is here. Todd McShay is here. I'm Chris Sproul. Ah, this is a good week because we have a fresh mock draft from Todd who did his senior bowl work. He's getting ready for the combine, and now he gets to hop back into the frying pan of having a mock draft out you haven't seen it, if you want to play along, go to ESPN.com right now. It's there up this morning. Um, but, Todd, let's jump into it a little bit. I'm not just going to read right on through it. I'm, I'm really interested in talking about uh, the quarterbacks who are not here. In this mock, you put Dwayne Haskins, number six to the Giants, where you note, hey, they, could, they might have to move up to get him. And you also have Kyler Murray to the Dolphins at 13. I was surprised, Todd, that we didn't have a third quarterback in this mix. And I know there's a number of spots he could be. Is that third quarterback Drew Locke? And, you know, do you expect that with trades and things like that, it'll become more clear? Um, I think Drew Locke, in my opinion, would be the third quarterback. I think for Mel, it probably would be Daniel Jones, although I don't, you know, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but. It's just, it's difficult because I don't think either, if you're truly grading him, again, in my opinion, belongs in the first round. But Lamar Jackson didn't belong in the first round. Tim Tebow didn't belong in the first round. You can go every year we see one or two or three quarterbacks even that that sneak in there because of the positional value. So you look in the back end teams that could pull the trigger, there's just not a lot of them. I mean, you've got the Ravens at 22. Um, they're, I, I don't think they're going to, whether they should or not could be debated. Um, the Ravens at 22, the Raiders at 24. I, just, I looked at a few different options, but the Chargers could be looking ahead, but I don't, do they want to use that pick? The Patriots could be using a, looking ahead, but do they want to maybe get one in day two? So it's, it was tricky in that regard. I do think we'll, we'll wind up seeing a team move up because as I went through this, you know, the first five teams, as we've talked about, they don't need quarterbacks. Then you get to the Giants, and then the Jaguars, and then the Broncos at 10 are kind of sneaky sitting there. They could wind up moving back into the first round for a guy like Drew Locke. There's a lot of rumors, and I don't know if they're true or not at this point, but that they have interest in Locke. Uh, the Bengals at 11, are they going to try to go in a different direction moving forward? And then the Dolphins, obviously, at 13. So, And the Redskins at 15, dealing with Alex Smith and his injury. So there, there are enough teams in the first half of the first round, but I, I just... I felt better about putting the 32 players in the first round that I wound up sticking with just from a, a value standpoint. Mel, with, um, with the absence of Locke in the, in the first round of Todd's mock, is, is that just a situation where, you know, as Todd says, he doesn't really have him graded there. So without the trades, but at, at the end of the day, in Kuiper terms, is, do you think there's going to be three or four quarterbacks taken in round one? 
I'd probably guess three, and, and Locke and Jones is the big debate, and I ended up rating Locke a little bit ahead of Jones based on just the arm, and I, I remember getting a call from a GM in the NFL last year, not this year, but 2017 season, it was probably October, and said, strongest arm of any quarterback, and I was saying, oh, Josh Allen, obviously. Well, he said he thinks the guy that rivals Josh Allen's arm is Drew Locke. Now, I don't think that Locke's arm is as strong as Josh Allen's, but you know, Drew Locke does have a strong arm, and obviously the week of practice at the Senior Bowl, Jones didn't distinguish himself. Locke did more so, but when the game rolled around, the MVP of the game was Daniel Jones. The MVP of the game several years ago was E.J. Manuel, who became a, a mid-first-round pick. So I think somebody may... Take Locke or Jones. I don't think maybe based on what Todd says is true. You, unless somebody trades back in, who are you going to give them to? Maybe New England, Chargers. But uh, you know, you think about teams jumping back in or two. Who of them do you like, do Mel? That. Who's your guy? You know, I'm still. I was going. I put Locke ahead of Jones right now. I put Locke three, Jones four when I rated them yesterday for ESPN.com, and that was only because of the arm. And I'm going with the arm of Locke and the fact that Locke did play good down the stretch. He did beat Florida. He didn't have Emmanuel Hall all year, you know, because he was banged up. He wasn't there the whole season. Um, Locke, though, you know, has those inconsistent times. He makes some bad reads and bad decisions at times. But to me, you know, Jones, I, you know what I want to see out of Jones is a little more, I like intensity. I like passion. That's why the far running down the field at the senior bowl and, and, and just, you know, the Josh Allen Mayfield. So those just have fire and competitiveness and those juices are flowing from the get go. I want to, Jones is, hey, very cool, calm, collected. We like Joe Flacco because of that. But, and Jones did have, uh, the MVP performance in the game, which, you know, I guess they had to give it to somebody. I don't, I don't, he didn't wow me over in the game, but, uh, they had to give the MVP to somebody. So, yeah, I'm still taught. I don't know, Todd. That's kind of fluid right now. That Jones lock deal is something I think is going to continue into April as to see which one is right. Now, you're pretty locked in to Drew. Yeah, but I, I also think the thing we all have to guard against is what happens in these years. I mean, it's not always the, the 2018 draft class with four legitimate, legitimate guys that belong in the top 10. Some years, there's just not good quarterbacks, and this is one of them. Now, I like Dwayne Haskins a lot. I like Kyler Murray a lot. I don't know that I would take either of those guys over the top four from a year ago. And then you start to look at the gap from Haskins and Kyler Murray when you get to Drew Locke and Ryan Finley and Daniel Jones and all the other guys, and I think it's pretty significant. So, again, at the end of the day, it's not going to surprise me if we see three or four quarterbacks drafted. But I think if we believe that Kyler Murray is going to play in the NFL and stay in the NFL. I think there are only two quarterbacks that belong, and that's Haskins and Murray. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Last year, I was thinking that during the Senior Bowl, in just the wake of practice, you were down there. So I was just watching it and saying, man, these guys, be happy if you're the Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and uh, the teams, and obviously Cleveland, the teams in Arizona got Rosen and Baltimore got Jack. Right. Be happy because you got a year ahead, and you got guys who, to me, I would say light years ahead of these guys, but it's a significant difference. Those guys were all viewed mm -hmm. the big three. And let's say Mayfield was a wild card and Lamar was kind of a wild card. But the big three were, you know, Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. And we knew how good they were going to be as prospects. We knew that going in. Haskins was a one-year guy this year. We had no idea how he would play based on the Michigan game from the previous year. We knew Kyler Murray coming in. We didn't have any clue because he didn't do anything at A&M after a great high school career to distinguish himself. So he came out of nowhere. And you had Daniel Jones and you had Drew Locke. And Locke was kind of the guy who you were kind of 
focus on because he had that decent grade, that pretty high grade going in. But to say they were in the league with those guys, not even close, not even close. So if you're, like I say, a Jets, a Bills, even right. an Arizona fan, people want to criticize Rosen. He had no help. And and Baltimore got a leg up with Lamar going into the season, and certainly uh, Cleveland thinks they hit the jackpot with Baker, and they well should feel that way. And I know Buffalo feels that way about Josh, and the Jets feel that way about Darnold. So, again, this group, it's a, it's a bit of a force but I, I do think if you said to me right now, who are they going to roll to the, the big arm? Who has the big arm? And who has the size in the big arm and the experience would be Drew Locke. You know, it's it's funny, but um, to Todd's point earlier, you know, we went into last year. We were going into April. Remember the Jets? When the Jets moved up from number six to number three overall, there was at least the possibility that they were doing that because they were going to be content with getting one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. We didn't know if it was going to be right. Mayfield at the time. I think he would have, at the time we thought Darnold was likelier uh, for number one, and then Cleveland just you know really fell in love there. But I mean, again, the the Jets were moving up to the number three pick with the with the very real possibility they were going to get the number three choice at quarterback there, and they were content with that. Um, and and they will admit that now they're obviously tickled that the guy they loved the most, Sam Darnold, was there. But yeah, again, to Todd's point. <laughs> It's not that year where you're like, oh man, we're going to have to play draft leapfrog to get these guys. You really don't know. I mean, Todd, I guess I would ask you this. Giants get their guy Dwayne Haskins at number six in this mock. To me, it seems like a very real possibility that that's where Haskins goes. I could also see a team like the Jets moving out of there because they don't need the quarterback. I could see a team like the Raiders adding picks. Um, certainly the 49ers. Again, all those picks... One through five should be for sale ostensibly in some way, shape, or form. But it's not a certainty that any team needs to climb up to get that guy. Yeah, that's that's really going to be the interesting part this year to me. Because, you know, and I just mentioned some of the teams. You've got the Cardinals, Niners, Jets, Raiders, and Buccaneers drafting one through five respectively. None of those teams want a quarterback. All of those teams, I think, would be pretty content with any of the probably defensive players that they would get, maybe an offensive lineman for Tampa Bay. But Jacksonville's sitting at seven, and they know the Giants will take Haskins. They would have to assume that the Giants would take Haskins if he's sitting there, so why wouldn't they make a move? And then if they move up a couple spots, why wouldn't the Giants move up ahead of them? And then what about some of the other teams that I mentioned? The Dolphins, especially at 13. I mean, they it seemingly have moved on from Ryan Tannehill, understandably so. Seven years later, yeah, I don't he think has it's played seemingly. well when I healthy. Think I think it's but for he, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I mean, he just, he cannot stay on the field. So they have to, they have to move on. So that's a third team in the mix. And then you don't know what's going on with some of the other teams. Like I mentioned, the Broncos at 10, the Bengals at 11, the Redskins at, at 15. So in, again, going back to what Mel and I were just talking about in a class that's not great. And we think there's a significant drop off after the first and maybe after the second quarterback. What's going to happen in terms of movement with these quarterbacks? I mean, you look last year, right? We've talked about it. Baker was the first overall pick, so there's nowhere to move. But the Jets moved up for Darnold. Bills moved up for uh, for Josh Allen. Cardinals moved up for Rosen. I think the, the Ravens moved back in, right, to get to get Lamar Jackson. Yep. Mm-hmm. The year before, Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson, they all were – the teams all moved up for him. Uh, remember, in 2016, Goff and Wentz. Teams traded away a bunch of stuff to go up and get those guys, and, and for the most part, they're they're pretty happy that they did. So, I think we'll see some movement for these quarterbacks. The one that's so hard to nail down, and we talked about it recently, 
is Kyler Murray because of all the other factors. Forget the even the size. Just the concern about is he really all in in football? And can you get that answer by the time the draft rolls around? And does he just get his his money on the front end? And how do you structure that contract? And how do you try to keep him? And if things aren't going well, is he going to wind up leaving for Major League Baseball after a year or two? That's a lot of risk with a first-round pick. And teams hate risk when it comes to using this first-round pick. I'll tell you what, Mel, spring training starts next week. I mean, what's your prediction? Because he might not show up for the A's, but then... To Todd's point, he's going to have to sit down with some people at the NFL Combine, look them in the eye, and say he's going to have to sell himself. He's going to have to say, again, what what Todd said, put all this aside. Somebody's going to say, do you want to play football? Are you going to prepare like the CEO quarterback Mel Kuyper talks about all the time? I mean, based on just, you know, his based on the media clips we've seen of him in the last couple weeks, Mel, are you confident that that's, that's, that guy is going to be – in Indy, selling himself well to teams. Well, I think both parties are looking for answers. I think Kyler's looking for answers because he's got to deal with the A's. Sure. And if he puts that aside, is the NFL going to draft him high? He doesn't know that. So he's kind of taking a leap of faith. The NFL's kind of taking a leap of faith. So I think both parties have to get, find a common ground here and say, okay, if I am not going to play baseball and I'm going to come into the NFL, let's face it, would you rather be? He sees what these young quarterbacks are doing. He's out there watching, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's watching Josh Allen. He's watching Darnold. He's watching Baker Mayfield and Lamar. He's seeing all these young guys in year one and year two doing really well. And win in football games. And he's saying, hey, it's not a five-year thing. I'm going to be riding around, as, as what they say in Bull Durham, the bus leagues, and doing the minor league thing. And I don't know if I'll ever become, when I'll become a major league baseball player. Okay, He's not an Oakland A this year. He's going to be in the minor leagues. So does he want to do that for a period of time? But I think if he is committed to baseball, is the NFL going to commit a top 10, top 15 pick? Now, when you think about Kyler Murray, I was talking to a, a former pretty high-ranking personnel guy in the league and yesterday. And he said, you know, look at Drew Brees in a second. You gotta throw that out. I mean, you, you can't think 80s, 90s, 70s. You gotta think now. And where Drew Brees went and where Russell Wilson went has no, no bearing on where Kyler Murray will go or should go. It's a different game now. And you gotta adjust your whole thought process, not compare this guy to what happened 10, 15 years ago. It doesn't matter anymore. So I think for Kyler Murray, this is going to be something, Todd, I said month, it's going to be the most fascinating pick of any we've ever seen in our lifetime. I know mine. Because you've never seen a kid 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, five, nine and a half at quarterback who wasn't even on the radar back and in never August seen a kid all. be the first round pick in baseball and football. Yeah, never had any of this and never had a five nine, five nine and a half quarterback that you're expecting to be the big time franchise quarterback without ever having anybody to say somebody else at five nine and a half did that. Doug Flutie was in that five nine, five nine and a half range, but he went to the USFL first. We've never had this for the draft. A guy evaluated to be a top ten, top fifteen pick, or maybe the fourth pick overall to the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden. We've never had that before. Who's gonna have the guts to make that choice and commit to Kyler Murray? You know, Todd Todd mentioned it um you know he had some notes on this mock draft where he has Kyler Murray to the Dolphins at thirteen. You mentioned Chad O'Shea. You know the flip side, and John Gruden used to always talk about this, Mel, the flip side to the risk of taking certain guys is the excitement that certain coaches might have in being able to work with them, Todd. I mean, I know you talk to a lot of coaches 
certainly a ton of them at the college level on Saturdays and then and then guys as you get into draft season here but I think that's something that kind of that can separate things a little bit where whether it's 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 the kid and he brings a certain amount of juice um to the conversation or you have plays that you've never been able to call before because you didn't have an entity like this I mean that's one of those things where <laughs> You know, you say, oh, that's not a very creative offense. And you, and then you look at the players and you go, well, I don't know if they have the chance to be as creative as they want to be. I wouldn't put it past a lot of NFL offensive coordinators in particular, in particular to be really excited about the possibility of working with Kyler. Todd, tell me if I'm way off here, but I do think that that's one of these things that's going to come down to is, is looking at that tape at Oklahoma, looking at what, Baker Mayfield was in a similar offense last year with almost identical stats at Oklahoma, and then what he did as a rookie and saying, you know what, I can work with this guy. I completely agree. And I think I think you have to have a, some creativity, and I think you have to be forward-thinking. And I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Chad O'Shea, and he's, to me, he's got a background where working with a quarterback like this, he's got some forward-thinking. He was with Houston in the in the 90s he was with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs 2003 to 2005 I was looking it up yesterday just to see what his background was and, and obviously with the Patriots I know they've always had the same system and the same quarterback really with uh, with Bill Belichick and obviously Tom Brady but they've there's always been speculation that Bill would like to work with a mobile quarterback and kind of the creativity of that so I think O'Shea is someone who keep a close eye on with with Miami and and wanting to bring in a guy like Kyler where you can be a little different and put pressure on opponents and speed things up and get become a little bit more like the college game, which is what, what's happening with most NFL teams right now. Guys, I want to jump off the uh, quarterbacks and just rapid fire through a bit of a few other themes in this mock draft. Todd, I'll let you get started. I got five cornerbacks on the board. You know, we go from greedy all the way down to Byron Murphy of Washington. I mean, is is this a, is five about as high as we can get, or is there a chance number six could slip in to this round? It seems like uh, the cornerback class, at least at the top, is getting pretty loaded here. Yeah, it's a good group. It's not as good as maybe you would think based off of five in the first, and it may not be five. Um, but the more I watch of Joan Williams from Vanderbilt, the more I like. He's a longer corner press. He's got some some ball skills. Um, I, I think. I think he's got a chance. He may not be a first-round pick, but he's somewhere in that range. Um, Trey, Trayvon Mullen is another one who's who I think the more you see him, because I, we didn't expect him to be in this class, but the more I watch of him, the more I start to like him as well. It helps that he had those four pass rushers, five pass rushers, really, if you throw in Huggy Bear. But um, but he, he certainly has the physical tools to be a top 40, top 50 pick in this year's class as well. So I, it's a it's a pretty deep group. I don't think it's great necessarily at the top. People have differing opinions on Greedy Williams coming out of LSU. A lot of guys don't like that he's not quite as physical as he should be, his inconsistency late in the season, but you can't deny the talent. And mm-hmm. and with DeAndre Baker, as I've mentioned before, coming out of Georgia, he's not quite as talented naturally as Greedy Williams, but I think he's the most instinctive corner we've seen in a few years. So. They're going to be, I think, top 20 picks, and then the other guys are going to be somewhere in that 20 to maybe 40, 45 range. Mel, help me out on this one. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. A little bit different profile, different mm-hmm. positions in terms mm-hmm. of being able to play outside. 
Todd has Rashawn Gary going number three to the Jets. I can see the fit, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then Quentin Williams is there for the taking at number four for the Raiders. I get it. Try to put the positions and fits and stuff out of your mind. If you just watch the tape this year, can you make a really good case for a Gary to go ahead of a Williams? Maybe I just fell in love with Williams, but man, he just seems like he's the guy where you want to say, don't overthink it. The guy's going to be good. Yeah, I would. Uh, Quentin Williams had a, a phenomenal year, and he kept waiting to put him on the board because he was a, a third-year sophomore, and he, you know, it was really coming on. But you didn't want to overreact to one or two games, and it became four or five games, and six, seven games, and it was just nonstop. The kid was getting, you know, destroying double teams. He was hustling and making plays all over the place, and he, he looked like the, the closest guy to Aaron Donald that everybody thought Ed Oliver would be. It turned out to be Quentin Williams. So yeah, I think it would be tough to pass him up if you're if you're taking Rashawn Gary ahead of Quentin Williams. You're rolling the dice on talent. And talent usually does win out. And Rashawn Gary was a number one player at any position coming out of the prep ranks. Jim Harbaugh got him to, to Ann Arbor. And, uh, yeah, he didn't have the sack numbers. His sack numbers were low. But, again, the system, being able to be turned loose, getting coached up, he has a ton of ability. And this year, obviously, the injury, that wasn't going to play anymore and this and that. So this that's what happens on draft year. But I think when you look at Rashawn Gary, Talents in abundance, so it wouldn't shock me if he went that high. But I do think you know Quinn and Williams, who they would need in this defense, just as much as, as Rashawn Gary. I think that would be somebody would be very tough to pass up. But that'll be another a great call that somebody's got to make. Do you take the proven end, the guy that went out and just dominated, or the guy who has flashed but doesn't have the the sack totals that really warrant being a top three pick in the draft? Well, here's the other thing too: Are you going to move out? You know, the, the Jets are going to be sitting there, the 49ers, the Jets, yeah. maybe not the Raiders with their three picks in the first round, but you got a couple teams there up near the top that could very easily move back if a team like the Giants or Jaguars came knocking. I, uh, I cut you off there, but I was, I was going to jump to number 14 overall, the Atlanta Falcons take Ed Oliver, obviously the defensive tackle out of Houston. Now, this is going to make my head explode, so I'm going to get it out of the way. If Ed Oliver falls to this range, Somebody probably on social media is going to say, this is what happened to Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald obviously became the steal of the draft. Todd, tell me why that person needs to have their Twitter account taken away from them. <laughs> Listen, Ed, Ed Oliver is a great football player. He's undersized, and, and that's that's going to be an issue, trying to find the right scheme, and the Falcons run that scheme, and They've got to make a decision on, on Grady Jarrett. And if they re-sign Grady Jarrett, it, it may be a guy like Dexter Lawrence that they bring in to, to put next to him. So, you know, there's, there's still so much to, so much left in this process to sort through in terms of the free agency and, and the workouts with these players, et cetera. But for Ed Oliver, he is a great football player. He plays his tail off. He is quick. He's a disruptive versus a run. He's disruptive as a pass rusher. He's just not the finisher that Donald always has been, going back to Pitt throughout his entire NFL career. So he can improve in that area. He can get better with his hands. He can put on some weight, hopefully, with you know with NFL, the training tables and with the nutritionists and with the, the trainers and everything else. He'll be able to put on some weight, get stronger, and hopefully not lose any of his quickness. But there's a little bit more of a gamble there than – than I think people thought when we assumed he was around 290, 295. And kind of everyone was hoping that he was going to turn the corner and become Donald in terms of a pass rusher and finishing, and he really didn't this past year. So I think those are the couple reasons. And again, we're talking about 14, and he could wind up going 
he could wind up going anywhere in the, in the top 10, 15 picks, somewhere in that range. So it's not this huge drop, but I do understand the question because we were talking about him potentially as a top five pick coming into the season. Mel, another new name, mm-hmm. a relatively new name, somebody I want to just hit on a few of the newer names people sure. may be seen for the first time. Of course, he goes to the Baltimore Ravens at number 22 overall, DK Metcalf. Tell me who he is, what we're dealing with, and if it's a guy who can rise even further than that. He's a big receiver who's got a lot of talent and had the injury. And the bottom line with DK Metcalf, and it's the same thing with AJ Brown, and it's really all these receivers that you look at. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of mixed opinion. And even Marquise Brown at only you know, one sixty-five, one seventy, whether he's going to end up, uh, you know, weighing AJ Brown, same thing. You know, is that slot guy? Is he more of that guy? And hey, Jarvis Landry, heck of a player. So, and you look at what Julian Edelman meant to the Super Bowl winning Patriots. Without him, they don't win a Super Bowl uh, or even get to it. DK. Medcalf is a big talent. Does he get enough separation? Uh, to me, I look at him, Nikhil Harry. Uh, you, know, you look at Hakeem Butler at Iowa State. Does he run well enough? I think Metcalf's work out. He's a third-year sophomore. Uh, he's rolling the dice coming out. Todd's got him in the first. I think he probably could be if he has a great workout. Um, you're basing that again on, on potential. I, I didn't see Metcalf to me ever show that wow type separation that wow type quickness and and just just go out and just just exploit a corner in the college at the college game and just destroy somebody uh i didn't watch the alabama game yeah i know i've i've seen it but i didn't i think dk metcalf will be a guy who over the next three months two months three months ends up probably going where'd you project in time the 20s 22 uh, I had him going 22 20, to the Ravens. Yeah, I, had, I, I ironically, three, four weeks ago, I had A.J. Brown going that same spot, the teammate of D.K. Metcalf. Where'd you have A.J. Brown Yeah, I going? think the durability AJ's thing is a big 24. issue. 24. So, I mean, we're splitting hairs here. I had A.J. Yeah. Brown going there. D.K. Metcalf was a guy who certainly was considered. Um, you decided to go with it now. I'm going to wait a little bit on D.K. Metcalf. I think he's another guy. There's a, I wouldn't say boom or bust. I think there's going to be mixed opinion as to how high D.K. Metcalf should go. Todd, we talked a little bit about him uh, last week when we were going through some of the best weapons in the draft. You put Alabama running back Josh Jacobs in this draft, number 27 of the Raiders. Folks, don't roll your eyes. Oh, of course the Raiders are going to take a running back in round one. Well, a team took a running back late round one last year named Sony Michelle. He was the guy who scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Sometimes if the grade the matches the slot, the only one, yes. <laughs> but sometimes if the grade matches the slot, if you think the guy can play right away – Late first round is not a bad place to get that guy. We've seen it a number of times in recent years. Yes, I I obviously can see the fit here with the Raiders at 27, but more broadly, do you think Josh Jacobs is just firmly in the conversation as a guy that can go somewhere, I don't know, say 22 on? I do. I think if he's not a first-round pick, he'll be a top 40 pick. And I think it's the versatility, the explosiveness, and it doesn't hurt that he – you know, he's got a lot of tread left on those tires yeah. because he he really was never the guy. He became the guy very late this season if you go back and look at the carries and touches. Uh, but Damian Harris really was was carrying the, the majority of the, the load for the last year and a half. And, and I think Jacobs benefits from that, but also being able to put enough good tape out there at the end of the year against some top competition. Um, you know, to me, I, I just I think his ability to catch the ball, to move around, to protect, and then the explosiveness to create yards on his own. 
kind of what separates him from some of these other guys like Bryce Love, who's had trouble staying healthy. Um, you know, Damian Harris, obviously his teammate, Devin Singletary, uh, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery from Iowa State. They're all talented backs, but I, I do think with Jacobs, you get a little bit more, a little bit more complete player. And the one guy I would uh, kind of throw out there too, to keep an eye on is Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma. I mean, if he was healthy, I think he would be up there with Josh Jacobs in the conversation, probably early second round range, his ability to, to catch the ball protection. And then the explosiveness that he brings as well. I mean, he's a complete player, but coming off the injury, where is he going to be and how is he medically? So that's going to be a big thing when we get to the combine and then the medical recheck in early April, it's going to be really big for a, for a guy like Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma because I, I think he's as talented as any of these backs in this class. Yeah, you watch Rodney Anderson in last year's Rose Bowl. <laughs> you, you think you're getting one Ugh. of the top backs in the draft. Now, if, if that guy's not on the field till, you know, week 11 because of, you know, he starts the season on the pup, who knows? But that's a pretty good player if you're getting him in the middle rounds. Mel, you have a new big board. It's up on ESPN.com right now, probably somewhere with Todd's mock. Who are the guys that Let's are check rising? Check this thing out. What do we got? Who are the guys that are rising for you, Mel? Help Todd out here a little. Who are the guys that are rising? <laughs> Some new names on the big board um, that obviously everybody in the world is going to be talking about for the first time this week. Not a lot. Not a lot of new guys. I mean, I think the, the T.J. Hawkinson had been there. He's at 17, the tight end at Iowa. Um, Montez Sweat was as high as 8 back in early October, dropped back a little bit. He's up at 14 now based on his pass rush ability, what he did down in Mobile at the practices. Kyler Murray's up at 8. I didn't want to have much of a gap between Haskins and Murray, so I put Mur- Haskins at 5, moved Murray up to 8. I didn't want to have a big gap between Greedy Williams and DeAndre Baker because I think DeAndre Baker's a more complete football player. Now, who has better talent? Greedy does is Greedy are you going to be playing with 10 guys not 11 because of lack of tackling ability of Greedy Williams that impacts short passes because this is a short pass league it's an extension of the running game get the ball out quick you got to tackle if you're a corner that's a very underrated part of playing cornerback in this league so I, Greedy Williams is 9 DeAndre Baker's a 10 depending upon how Baker works out I might move him ahead of Greedy I don't know but they're right there where you can make that move if you want to um Moving down a little bit, Josh Jacobs is at 18. I'm with you. I, I, 40, what are you, 46, 48 carries two years ago? I mean, and all of a sudden now we're talking about a guy who's coming in fresh. Uh, he was the most explosive back Alabama had. He catches the ball. He blocks. He has a chip because he was a two-star guy coming out of high school and it could, works hard. Uh, so I would think Josh Jacobs goes somewhere in that 15 to 32 range. Um, after that, you know, you know, Jonathan Abrams, safety Mississippi State, we've had in there before. You know, so I don't see anything crazy there. I will say a kid at running back, to go back to the running back spot, did you mention Daryl Henderson from Memphis, Todd? Yeah. I did, yep. That's the kid that's today's guy. That's today's NFL running back. Yep. I mean, explosive, can catch. Uh, this kid's a touchdown waiting to happen. I think somebody's going to And his fall. backup's going to be a pretty decent NFL player, too, Tony Pollard. And as a versatile guy who can do everything. And Pollard's got four, what, had four kick returns for touchdowns in one season and another this past year. So yeah, yep. Pollard running, catching, returning, does all that. But I think Daryl Henderson is a guy when people really start to study the other backs and look at who's the most explosive, who could be a guy can change that scoreboard. And when you give him a little crack, he can go the distance and, and catch the ball out of the backfield and make explosive plays there. I think Henderson's going to be at worst by the time we get to late April, a second round pick. It's going to be interesting to see what Henderson runs. I mentioned this stat before, but Daryl Henderson last year 
Averaged nine yards per carry. So this year, going into the season, everybody knows he's going to touch the ball a ton. He averaged nine yards per carry. I mean, you you do it once. You know, obviously Bryce Love got hurt, but I mean, you see running backs, um, you see running backs that have great seasons and then dip a little bit as game plans change. But didn't happen this year with Henderson. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to jump into a stack of mail that we have here. But first, a word from Edible Arrangements. Listen up. Valentine's Day isn't the time for rookie moves, so leave it to the pros at Edible Arrangements. It's the freshest fruit married with the finest chocolate, artfully arranged to make a big impression, and with over 20 decadent Valentine's Day gifts and arrangements to choose from, you don't have to be exclusive. It doesn't make a difference if it's for that special someone or all your special someones. When you feel love, share love with Edible Arrangements. Stand out from the crowd this Valentine's Day, and it pays to plan ahead. Order by February 10th and take 20% off all pickup orders over $50. Stop by your local Edible Arrangements and experience love at first bite or order online and have it delivered at edible.com. Mel, I'll let you get this one started. Jordan Hamelick, B. B. Hamelick 55, says, Any chance Devin White falls to Pittsburgh at number 20 overall? Seems like a bit of a fall. I have him at four on a big board. I don't know where Todd has him on his big board, but I cannot see a linebacker who is going to run around and make plays. Deion Jones was a second-round pick. If you redrafted Deion Jones, he would have been a much higher pick. He, yeah, this guy is phenomenal at getting to the ball carrier and making plays. And, and the way today's NFL was suited for a guy like White, ideally suited, I can't see him. It would be hard for me to push him out of the top ten. I had him going at eight to Detroit in the last mock, Todd. I don't know where you had him, but i got to believe there's no chance that he gets that far down the board. Todd, I'll let you take this one. Jet Life at JetUp2022 says, Why isn't Ankeel Harry, Sun Devil, being talked about more as one of the top wide receivers taken? Seems like a freak athlete, and he offers the big-time production. Listen, he's very talented. There's no question. The issue is he's got to improve as a route runner and become a little bit more consistent. The other issue is there's a bunch of these kind of guys in in this year's draft. I mean, obviously Marquise Brown's the undersized receiver. Debo Samuel is strong. He's not as tall as some of these other receivers. DK Metcalf and AJ Brown from Ole Miss are both in that six two to six four range. Uh, Riley Ridley's another big receiver. JJ Arcega Whiteside from from Stanford is six four six five. Hakeem Butler is the same way. Kelvin Harmon six three six four. So you've got so many different receivers in this year's class that are the big physical guys, contested catches, late separation. Uh, in a league where, quite honestly, teams are looking for a little bit more quickness and get open right away and be able to create after the catch. So it's going to be interesting to see where all of these receivers go. But I, I would be shocked if, if Harry wound up certainly out of the second day. And I think he will probably likely go in the uh, in the first two rounds. Mel, Tim Cron Jr. asks, is there a scenario where you can see the Bills drafting defense with their first-round pick given they have needs all over the place on offense? 
Well, yeah, it's a one pick, and you got to take the best player. And everybody acts like you're you're abandoning your needs if you don't take and not helping your football team if you don't take a guy in the first round. It fills a need. You can't go in to a, a draft thinking I got to get this. You get the best player, and I think there's a scenario where a defensive lineman could be. Keep in mind, Kyle Williams is retiring, um, but I would think if they had their druthers, they obviously and I want to take an offensive player, be it a Jonah Williams if he were there, the offensive lineman from Alabama. Uh, no receiver, I don't think to take that early. Um, could they move down off a of nine? That could be where Kyler Murray is, is factored in. They maybe jump ahead of Denver for a quarterback. So Buffalo's spot, I think if it falls the way it could, could be an opportunity for the Bills and Brandon Bean to move down a little bit, then be at a better point to take the receiver, to take a tight end, you know, to take an offensive lineman, because some of those linemen will be there at that point. They're going to be more attractive there than they would be at nine. So I, I would think they'll trade down, but I, I certainly don't go into the draft thinking at nine, you better get one of those guys or, or it's not a, a a productive pick. It could be if a defensive player of star quality is still there. And I don't think Rashawn Gary may be there, but if Rashawn Gary were, uh, yeah, you would look at him. Uh, obviously, uh, more than likely, I'd say 90%, it's going to be an offensive pick in the first round. All right, Todd, I like this one. Dave Sims says, Todd, I'm hearing the Giants aren't enamored with the top QBs in this class. This guy's dialed in. You might want to put him on your list before you set your mock-up. But who would be a logical fit for them if they pass on a QB? Maybe Jonah Williams? What do you think? I mean, they certainly could go offensive line. It's been an issue for years. They keep trying to address it, and they don't get it fixed. I also think who's there? I mean, you can't – I know it's such a cliche, and I hate even saying it, but you can't have enough pass rushers. Is Rashawn Gary from Michigan, the defensive end, still there? Um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, if you're comfortable with the character issues in the past – is as talented, I think, as any individual in this class and has a chance to be a massive difference maker coming out of Mississippi State. So there will be players to draft at that spot. And if they really legitimately don't want a quarterback and don't like any of these guys, or if they get passed up by another team and, and don't want to take a Kyler Murray, let's say, they could they could potentially look to move back for a team like the Dolphins, you know, sitting at 13, trying to move up to – to go get a Kyler Murray to make sure they don't get left out at the end of the day. All right, Mel, I'll let you wrap this sucker up. Oh, man, there's some good hate mail here, too. Um, let me see here. Oh, all right, El Bujo. How hard did you hit says, it, Sprout, in Super Bowl? You sound like you really got after it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I correctly picked the score, so... <laughs> yeah. That was exciting. Mel, well, why are so <laughs> many offensive tackle prospects... <laughs> Deemed by people like you to be destined to move inside to guard. There's 64 starting tackles in the league. So it seems overblown that only a few top prospects per draft can be called true tackles. Yeah, what do you say, Mel? You're the, you're the king of short arms. Move him well, inside. Well, you move him inside. Jonah Williams, I think, and Brandon <laughs> Sheriff is the is the comp there. I mean, Sheriff was a left tackle. They put people at right tackle. He's a guard. Jonah Williams could be a, a right tackle or a guard. He's played left tackle. Um, yeah, will he move inside? Maybe, but I think he'll be drafted more as a tackle. Uh, Chuma Adoga from USC tackle could move inside. Um, certainly, Cody Ford, Oklahoma. Chris Lindstrom's a guard and come out of BC. Done, I think Dalton Reisner's done everything at Kansas State. A lot of versatile guys uh, that can can really fill a lot of roles up front, which is what you want. And that's why these guys are going to go in the first two rounds. I could see very easily. I'm just looking down here now. Seven. I could see thirteen. 
I could see 17, Todd. I'm looking here, and you can tell me if I'm crazy. I could see 17 to 19 interior offensive linemen go in the first two to three rounds. That's a lot. I'm looking right here. I got six. Five is 11. I'd say 15. I'd say 15 offensive linemen in the first two rounds. Yeah, and invariably, to to his point, though, I mean, if there's 64 tackles, I mean, sometimes guys move into guard yeah. because the guard gets hurt. I yeah, mean, just to go the through. Idea that, the idea that it's just cut and dry, right. oh, let's check the arm, like, no, you're moving inside, right. kid. You just never know. Look what happened. In look what happened with Trent Brown in New England. Trent Brown's a guy that could profile as a guard, could profile mm-hmm. as a right tackle. They coached him up to the left tackle. I mean, the idea that these guys come into the come into the NFL and we say based on certain specifications that they have a certain position and they're going to stay there forever, it's just not true. But. Yeah, and this offensive line group, just to go past the big names of Jonah with the guys we know are going high. Jonah Williams, Greg Little, Jawan Taylor, Florida, Andre Dillard, Washington State, Yadney Kajus, West Virginia, heard at the end of the year, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois, uh, Bobby Evans, Oklahoma Junior, the guards after Ford and Lindstrom and Reiser, Connor McGovern, versatile center guard out of Penn State, Bo Benshaw, Wisconsin, Drew Samia, Oklahoma, then the centers, Jen- Jenkins, Mississippi State, we talked about Michael Jordan Ohio State Garrett Bradbury NC State Eric McCoy Texas A&M Michael Dieter versatile kid out of Wisconsin there's a lot of linemen and Chuma Doga really helped himself down in Mobile coming out of USC so it's a it's a pretty good group uh, Nate Davis Charlotte helped himself uh, as a guard coming out um this is a, a there's a lot of offensive linemen I think go because uh, obviously protecting the quarterback we saw a lot of guys look at Seattle Russell Wilson how many times does he get hit Deshaun Watson with Houston uh, yeah, protecting quarterbacks keeping them upright not getting them hurt is, is critical and this year I think in the first two two and a half rounds you're gonna have a lot of offensive linemen come off the board. I think it's always good to end on a 67 name run from Mr. Kuiper. Good work Mel thank you. Guys, you can find us on your favorite podcasting app, and you can subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us, helps you. You get the podcast before anybody else. Go to ESPN.com. Check out Todd McShay's Mock Draft and Mel Kuyper's Big Board. And if you turn on a TV today, Todd's probably on it. Um, Hopefully, technically, things are cleaner there. We are going to be jumping into team-specific previews next week. You guys love that. We're going to go division by division. We might have a drawing, Venmo, Josh, Macri, some money, and your division might go first. Um, but in the meantime, check out everything on ESPN.com. We're going to be back next week for Todd, Mel, I'm Chris. Fresh stuff next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.